Hello. All right, if you're just watching this after I, after the stream, uh, make sure you check the description below for time codes. Uh, we're not gonna get going immediately here, so check that out. We'll do hellos and stuff first, and I'll pause all the videos uh, that are coming back down at me. Good. I'll say hello to folks. Hello, Unexpected Maker. Hello, Randall. Hello, Deshibu. Hello, Doctor. Hey, Mark. Long weekend time. Yes. I just sent the email of like, I'm taking Monday off. <laughs> Hi, Bruce. Hi, David. Hi, Hems Labs. Hope all is great. Yes, things are great. I am ready for weekend, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, all I want to do is play video games. But I should get at least something else done. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Dalgard. Is it cow day? If so, moo. <laughs> Every day's cat day here. Hey, Gary. Going to my niece's two-year-old to birthday party well we're my family's getting together for her two-year birthday tomorrow hi linux 203 hi rod hi dylan hey keith e. i almost forgot you yeah i was playing uh valheim last night with a friend of mine it was fun Hi, Viata. All right, we got tweeted out. All right, I guess we don't have to wait any longer. I think the camera's a little low because I raised my desk a little bit, but we'll go with it. Mark's been playing Valheim as well. Hi, Bo. All right, let's get going here. Let's do some housekeeping. So hello everyone, my name is Scott and I work on CircuitPython. Uh, I'm paid to do that and to stream like this by Adafruit. Adafruit is an open source hardware and software company based out of New York City. Um, and CircuitPython is a version, of my, a version of Python designed for microcontrollers, which are little inexpensive computers. Um, it's meant to make programming really easy for folks. So. Uh, that's really fun. Um, your chin isn't out of frame. Your camera is high enough. Okay, perfect. Uh, if you want to support me and Adafruit, um, those are one and the same. Please go to adafruit.com and purchase something there. All right, good. I'm glad I got it right, though. Um, so if you want to chat with me and a lot of others outside of this stream, I encourage everybody to join our Discord server as well. Uh, which you can do by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, and is my mic too too hot? It looks like it's my, getting close to peaking. Um, I just adjusted the position a little bit. Um, did I say the URL? Uh, if you want to join the discord, you can go to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we're in the live broadcast chat. 
Um, David says the mic is fine. Um, this is a deep dive. It happens every week, unless I take the week off. Um, normally it's Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, but occasionally it's shifted to Thursdays at 2. Hi, Mark. Uh, next week is on Friday as well. We go for typically two hours or so. Uh, if you have questions, please let me know. I'm happy to answer them. In fact, today's another day where I'm like not in the middle of anything. So if you've got questions, uh, bring them. I'd love to talk, to talk about whatever people want to talk about. Um, so yeah, questions are welcome. The last bit is that Spook here, the cat in the cat cam. Uh, I'll, I'll switch to him full. Uh, this is Spook. Um, he is epileptic, which means occasionally he has seizures. He's been doing really well, so I don't expect it to happen, but I just want to give people a bit of a heads up. Um, he's going to be sad, I think, because the sun went away. Uh, but yeah, he's doing good. So yeah, this is a deep dive. I have a couple things I want to talk about. Um, uh, David says Twitch is having a problem. My mic is in focus more than me. Huh. The camera says it should be focusing on my eye, so... It, I should look okay, too. It's just nice and shiny. Um, is anybody else having trouble with Twitch? Alright. Twitch looks good. You and the camera looks equally focused to me, I think. Cool. That's fine. I mean, I've been super happy with this camera. So, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I do have it, like, it has two modes. It has, like, that product mode and the, the person mode, the eye, eye tracking mode. And it's in eye tracking mode, so it should be okay. Um, <laughs> ever so slight fuzz because 1080p on a 4K. Yeah, well... You could GitHub sponsor me if you want me to have a 4K camera. Um. <laughs> Mark's getting new glasses. Okay, so I put a, t a couple things on the plan. Um, first off, I wanted to cover, just briefly talk about the release. Um, I did two, uh, like one and a half releases this week of CircuitPython. Um, it's been a while since I did the release. Uh, Dan's been doing them, so that's been great. Um, but Dan is on vacation this week, so I was like, oh, this is a perfect chance for me to do a release, and lo and behold, I kind of messed it up. Um, Unexpected Maker asks, uh, just confirming deep sleep is still faked on the ESP32-S2 when USB is connected right. Uh, correct, that is the policy across all boards, is that if you have USB enumerated, then if you deep sleep, it will not do a true deep sleep it's essentially a light sleep um yeah the cats aren't even in 4k so sorry about that the cat cam is my old webcam um but yeah so if you're on usb it's meant to it's the problem you can't have both because deep sleep turns usb off so the policy is that if you're on usb and you do code that deep sleeps it fakes it um so that you can test your deep sleep code while staying connected to USB. Yeah, and that didn't change at all. All right, so maybe let's just go down this list. So 
uh, a lot of this list here is additions to 7.06 since 6.3, so a lot of these we may have seen already. Um, BLE development workflow is the headline. It's still a little, uh, still a little uh, in progress because of all the apps and stuff. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to work on that again next week. But I'm kind of done for, for <laughs> I'm kind of done this week. I don't really want to pick up the BLE stuff. I've been having a lot of like uh, allergies this week, so it's yeah, not a not super focused. Uh, camera support on the S2. QRIO, which is QR decoding keypad, uh, real-time custom runtime customization of USB devices, uh, merging a MicroPython up to 116. Um, 117 is actually out, so we are now behind. Uh, Pixel Buff got renamed, color wheel got moved, TixMS is added, simplifications to the status LED, clocking fix for a few of the RP2040s. Vector.io was reworked. We got an add exit, get pass, and traceback mo modules. Um, make sure you don't sneeze on the camera. Actually, that... Yeah, I should probably take the allergy meds in like an hour or two. So hopefully I won't. But I did take uh, Tylenol sinus to clear me up. Uh, supervisor, get previous traceback. Uh, board LED consistent. Pulse out Unicode file system file name support. We have board.board .board ID now. Um, and uh, AES, AES IO is, is new. You think we'd run out of set of things to set on fire, right? Ah, never. Um, so two good questions that we just got here. Uh, Neradoc, hello Neradoc. Didn't say hi to you yet, I don't think. Um, there's four boards added in the last couple of days that don't have board.board .board ID. I propose to PR that. Uh, after or before the Lolan S2 mini fix is merged, maybe, um, and add Dunder name while I'm there. Either way, either way is fine. Um, I wonder if we should have some sort of check that can make sure, make sure that we have a, a Dunder name in, in, uh, new boards. Hi, Gian. Um, doctor asks, can you control the board frequency within CircuitPython? Think you mean like the CPU frequency, and and the answer is not currently. It is something that people wanted, but uh, generally we don't. It's really complicated. Like changing clocks is not simple, uh, especially if, as we would want to do in CircuitPython, if you want to do it dynamically, that's even uh, a trickier thing. Because like if you have a particular clock and you're changing that clock, that clock may may also run like your spy device, like your spy peripheral. Um, CPU frequency would be good for power management. Uh, I don't actually think it's... My understanding is that it's not that important um, for power management because generally with um, power, you either want to be running and running efficiently to get through your... Um, to get through your uh, computation that you need to do and then go back to sleep and turn just everything off. Um, that's generally my understanding, um, but I'm sure there's cases where I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, I was saying dunder, it's, it's Python slang for double underscore. Um, so like, yeah, double underscore, it's pretty common in like all of the kind of special methods in Python have two underscores at the front and the back. 
so they call it dunder d-u-n-d-e-r okay let's keep going down here um port status didn't change uh so fixes since beta um fixed the usb hid custom devices this was like a report checking thing um added oh i never fixed that <laughs> wow it's like i didn't even proofread these i didn't add the display io dot let's fix that right now it is so in the readme we have display io eat paper display update refresh mode that's what it is i copied this elsewhere so it's going to be wrong in other places but that's okay e paper display update refresh something mode uh, this was a community contribution and it allows you to do like some e-ink displays have different um, they have the ability to do like fast refreshes where they, they are much faster but they're not perfect so adding this allowed the folks to have like you know do seven fast refreshes and then do a full refresh kind of mixing the two so that was pretty neat hi yanni hi minnesota mentat um <laughs> keithy says i i just thought dunder was a thing in and of itself yeah i think it's double under okay so i just fixed that i'll probably find more issues um, Parallel Bus is now moving to its own module. Uh, this is because Jeff is anticipating having to expand Parallel Bus, um, and it's going to grow in size. Jeff added the OX, uh, 0x prefix for printing pointers, uh, which is to match CPython. Stage now uses keypad. Uh, board ID is now in bootout text and board.board ID. Uh, fixed the, Dan fixed some wave file, wave file validation. We support multiple dot stars as status LEDs. Um, this is the main thing. Uh, TAC has been doing USB compliance testing on TinyUSB, which is the USB stack we use in CircuitPython. Um, we actually did an RC0, and then somebody was like, hey, you realize it doesn't work on the RP2040. Um, and so I updated TinyUSB further, and it had been fixed. I'm actually expecting to do another update of TinyUSB probably before we go stable because I believe I saw that presence might be broken. Um, so we might have to pull another tiny USB, but generally that's just like fixing more bugs, so that's good. Um, added the AESIO stuff, thanks to Microdev, and uh, Unexpected Maker updated the NeoPixel module as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of my week has just been hunting down these issues and, and getting them all merged in. We did get down to zero open pull requests, which is really awesome. And then the next day I woke up and there were six again, uh, which is epic. And I merged them all in. So I think if we look at the 
the insights tab here for this week. It's going to be pretty pretty strong here. We have we've had 36 mer merged pull requests. We have two open, um, and we've had uh, 14 different authors, which is great. So thank you to everybody who's contributed. Uh, Weblate's not actually a person, so. Is there documentation on how to add a board that could be updated on GitHub, or is it only in the Learn Guides? Unfortunately, I think it's only in the Learn Guide. Um, yeah, but I could just do that right now. Um, how to add a new board to CircuitPython. Is there a spot here? Get set up to add your board. This is good. I think generally it just has you copy existing ones. Here's testing it. Doctor says, so looking at this e-ink display product 4197, I don't see anything about partial updates. Is that a limitation of the display controller or CircuitPython? Um, There is, there are e-ink display controllers that are able to do partial updates. It doesn't really save you time from my understanding though. It just like preserves parts of the image. Um, CircuitPython does not support that right now. Although you could probably use this update refresh mode to actually do it. Um, maybe, I haven't tried. Um, but generally like it's not universal and so CircuitPython doesn't support it. Um, and it's not really a speed for a speed thing either. <laughs> Unexpected Maker says, a lot of your time has been fixing my PRs. Yeah, that's no problem. I know you were wait anxious to get it in, so I wanted to make sure and get your new board in. And Dishipu's been doing stuff too. It's all good. It's all good. We're going to keep releasing. We're just going to keep moving forward. Uh, reviewing is helpful though, especially this week because both Dan and Jeff are on vacation. Uh, thanks to Mark. Shout out to Mark who's been doing some reviews for me. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you want to get back, uh, we can give you review permissions so you can review other people's PRs as well. Doctor says, I thought partial updates were faster. I don't, for e-ink, I don't think that's true. That can be, that is true for TFTs where you have to send the new pixel data um, but uh, on e-inks because the the reason e-inks are slow to refresh is because they like you have different voltages that you apply to different um, uh, you you apply different voltages in a sequence um, and that sequ that sequence length is like it all it does all of those sequences in parallel I think um, yeah, it doesn't help when you, I'm sleeping late when you're working. Yeah, it's no problem. Oh, uh, Unexpected Maker, now that I'm thinking about it, though, you could add me as a collaborator on your fork. On You have, like, the Unexpected Circuit Python org. Um, you can add me and, like, Dan and Jeff as collaborators on that, and then we'll be able to edit your PRs. Because I, I had to fork yours and do it from mine. Um, and that's because it's in an organization, not on your personal account. If it's on your personal account, you can check the like allow 
allow editors to edit it or something like and so we can just fix your branch uh, but I, I can't do that on your org so you could add us as you could invite us to that so that we have access to to fix yours directly but it worked out it wasn't wasn't too big of a deal that although there is a there's a sneaky technicality with that if I'm able to edit an existing PR it means I can approve it even though I've edited it um, so yeah that that was a that's a little annoying that if I have to fork it in order to get it in then somebody else has to do the review but um, Mark's been helpful doing those I don't think partial updates are are power saving but I could be wrong generally my understanding of power saving is just like you want to sleep as often as you can for as long as you can if you're worried about power savings, get a p get a power analyzer before you even start. Make sure that you're grounding yourself in the actual power usage before you before you worry about it. Um, oh, here's a pins.c. So this is where we could add the note about board name. It would be kind of nice if it wasn't an issue. All right. But yeah, there, there's this. This is what we point people to for adding a new board. that do we want to keep going about this I mean it's a lot of just bug fixes um, I don't think any of the fixes I did this week were that interesting but maybe I don't know like I said <laughs> I'm like a little bit out of it So let's see, what did I do? I fixed a USB issue. I updated the IDF. Fixed a crash. Fixed CountIO reset. I switched CircuitPython's serial uh, for the Beely workflow off the Nordic UUIDs. Uh, fixed two watchdog crashes. Fixed NRF light sleep when on USB. It would just like constantly wake up. Um, one BLE workflow, one for linking. Oh, I should highlight this. Was this the latest recommended power analyzer, the PPK2? Yes, it is. I highly recommend it. I'm overcooked. Time for a holiday. And then straight on to CircuitPython 8. Yeah, right. We'll get a, I'll get a holiday this weekend. I'm not going to take myself too seriously. I got some good... I, I have some BLE workflow up like protocol updates to do and I got most of the way through that yesterday I just like yeah a few sites say partial updates do save power but no info on how much just measure it yep that's what I would say you gotta measure it and see um okay oh 
I found this cool thing, and I thought I should point this out. Um, let's look at this. So, as many of you know, like we constantly are filling up the, uh, we are constantly filling up the flash with circuit Python code, and so whenever we add something, we end up like not having enough flash space anymore. Um, and so you'll you'll see us like hunting for bytes is what I call it. Um, <laughs> need to figure out if my display can do that and that and get that power profiler. Yeah, you can take a look about your display. Um, so this is a really cool trick that I just kind of discovered as I was browsing the linker documentation. I was um, doing what I was doing last week and trying to figure out areas where, I think it was last week or the w week before, um, where I was like actually looking at the hex values of the binary. Um, I found a couple things. I found, um, this week I found a couple spots to save some memory. So one thing was that we were configuring the USB HID stuff to allow up to six different report IDs per descriptor, which made like we have three standards things baked in and that saved a like a couple hundred bytes to just say like on SAMD21, you can only have one report per descriptor. Um, and then uh, I found, I, I was thinking about, um, what is it? I added a knob, so for Q-strings, there are two different, maybe I should just show this. There's there's two different tables. There's, for Q-strings, there's a Q-strings attributes table, which is the hash and the length of every Q-string. And then we have a pool table, which is a, a list of pointers to where the strings are in memory for the Q-strings. And I was looking at that and I thought, you know, what we could really do is we could, for a given string of pointers or a pool of pointers, we could have a base pointer and then make the rest of the point, or the rest of like per, per pointer only be two bytes instead of four bytes. We could do it like as long as all of the strings are near each other within 60, 64K, um, you can have a like the lowest base address and then add the offsets um, and that would basically get us a thousand bytes back um, because there's this table that is like 2,000 it's 2,000 long um, actually let me I'll just pull that up so as I was I was browsing the docs for I know you can't see this all Let's see if I can find it. So here we are. We're in Octeta. This is the. Um, this is just a hex viewer. So this is like, actually Circuit Python. And if I, re what are the odds I remember where it is? So here's a bunch of strings. You can see here that this is like. 4, try, def, 7.0, beta, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this is this is where the linker chooses to put all of the strings. So these are Q strings. 
uh, or these are the strings behind the cue strings. And then there's a table further down. So there's a lot of strings, right? And there's an open issue that's one of the oldest open issues, which is compressing these strings instead. The linker does do some sort of compression, kind of, it does this thing where if if one string is a, is a suffix of another, it will just store the longer version with two, like if you have the longer version and then you'll have two pointers, one that starts at the start and one that starts in the middle. And that way you can like, because they overlap, you can share that memory. Um, but they're still all null terminated. So that's, that's that. And then here you can see a lot of zeros. I don't know what's what, but ah, I think this is the table I was looking at here. So this area here has kind of like a lot in, well, this is at least an example of what I was seeing. So these are all pointers where it's like zero to such and such, zero to such and such. Um, and I was thinking, well, if we, if we have this range where we know they're all pointers, we can actually figure out the lowest address and then make them all offsets and like basically get rid of this zero two portion and just store those last two last two instead it'll like require like one extra piece of computation if you actually need to get the pointer but the idea with q strings is that you can do a lot of uh what you usually do with strings without actually needing the string right like there's a hash and a length that you check for for equality before you ever get to the string itself um So yeah, I was, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could like figure out a way to make this table half the size? And it's like, it's complicated. It's really complicated because all of these pointers are determined by the linker. Um, so they're done at link time. And so you can't really take those pointers that haven't been determined yet and subtract some other thing that hasn't been determined. Um, I tried it and it just throws an error. So I was like starting to look into how like, what if I take this one struct, this Q-string pool of pointers, put it in a separate section, and then I can load that section, modify it, and squirt it back into the elf uh, at like a much smaller size. And potentially this is, this is an optimization that we could potentially do dynamically at runtime in CircuitPython as well. Um, which would allow, which would reduce the size of the Q-string pool stored in RAM as well, which could be awesome. Um, but yeah, it's complicated. So I was, I was looking through, I was looking through the, uh, the linker docs, the, the like docs for LD, and I stumbled across the ability to sort sections by, uh, to the ability to sort sections. And I, I'd always seen that um, if I find, let me just look. I, I'm sure I have an old map here that's been, like, I haven't built this in ages. So if we just look at this map, this is a map file and we have fill. So here's an example where um, there's this, so text, the text area is like function code, uh, right? Like 
functions or, or code is just like assembly values. So GC collect root is is not 16. This is hex, but this big, and because uh, the functions need to align, there's two more bytes after that function that are empty. That's what Phil is doing here. Is Phil is filling in the gap between like if functions need to start on a four byte boundary and this previous function took like two extra bytes, there's two spare. Um, and if you look here, or it's very small here, it says 185 matches. So if we just start searching, you'll see that like this happens kind of a lot. Um, so imagine that we have, we it says we have 185 fills and each of them is two bytes. That's like a hundred or like three hundred and sixty bytes that are wasted just because of the these extra fills. Um, and so as I was going through the uh, going through the Laker docs, I discovered there's this sort by name, sort by alliance, <laughs> alliance, alignment thing that you can do. And basically, what this does is it it sorts all of the things so that. Um, so that uh, the things that are misaligned kind of like cause each other to line up. Um, so if we look at, I think, what was I building? So, so this is an old build that I did. And let me double click it so it stays open. But I was building the Arduino Nano 33 IoT, I think. And so now if we look at this map here and I do fill, oh, it's still got a lot. Let's, let me rebuild it. Um, So we'll take the things that take two extra and don't need 4K boundary and rearrange them so you have less fills. Yeah, basically. That's my theory. Okay, so I just rebuilt it. And now if we do this search here, now we only have 25 of them. And they're not in the text section. Here's the read-only section instead. Um, which we could actually fix as well, I think. Um, there's one BSS, so that's RAM that's taken up. I did, so this PR here is actually, you can see that it's, it's not adding it, it's fixing it. Um, <laughs> He says, that's a, such a better way of saying what I was typing. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, I was pretty happy to find that. It's, it saved like a few hundred bytes, which is all I needed. All I needed at that point. So that was great. Uh, so that's a pro tip if you ever bite hunting um, on embedded stuff. Uh, yeah, so much fun. I did add a knob to CircuitPython that I actually don't have on, but I added a knob 
The problem is I I fixed. They're they're not separate pull pull requests. They're modifications to existing ones. So if we just look at like I know one of them was one by tack. So this one, this is the one that was having trouble. So I, uh, yeah, was it here? No, I had to do this on a couple of them. So I added this other knob. If we look, I know where it is. It's in PyQ string. So, like I was saying, there's two tables. There's one table that is like the lengths and hashes of all the Q strings, and there's one table that's all the pointers to where the strings are. Um, and this is just for the Q strings that are built in um, that we like already know exists. And. What I realized based on a comment from Tio Mitch was that you could, um, instead of building that table of lengths and hashes into your firmware, um, you could make a trade and you could say, I don't, um, Andy Roberts says, I miss why the fills happen in the first place. Are they to align on word boundaries? Yes, that's why they, they're there there to align whatever happens afterwards. I thought the linker was smart enough to do this, but it turns out it's not. Um, it actually does it just in order, I think. So it, ta it takes things in a particular order and then it has to fill in the places where uh, the, thing, the next thing needs to be aligned. Um, and so instead, what in your linker script you can do is say, hey, sort, sort this set of things by alignment and then, and then you get a lot less fill. Uh, but I added this knob that we're not using yet, but this pre-compute QString at attributes table, it moves this, I think it's about a K of, it's in flash. It moves it from flash to RAM and then computes it on startup. So you save a K of flash at the expense of a K of RAM, which in CircuitPython terms impacts how big your heap is. Um, and so I was like, gonna use it on Sandy21, and I was like, oh, but that... That's like 1K out of 20K total. Like, that's not very cool. So I added it and then didn't actually turn it on for anything. Um, it's not that much code to add. It's just like it does take RAM to do it. It moves this, it moves this const uh, atter table from, from the read-only data section to the BSS section, which is in RAM. Um, which is good for flash size, but it's bad for RAM size. And it takes a little computation power, but I don't think it's that much. I don't expect it to be that much. <laughs> Nerdog says, oh yeah, don't take RAM off the Sandy 21. There's already not, a, not enough. Yeah, exactly. But I was thinking for cases where... So for the Sandy 51, if you don't have external spy flash, we still try to fit in... We still try to fit in 256k flash. We use the other 256k flash for the internal file system. So that's a case where if we have 192k RAM, 
like we might actually be willing to make that trade of 1k flash for 1k ram um so yeah i think there are places that we're going to want to use it but i haven't actually turned any of them on um and those are for the cases where like there's a lot more ram than there is flash All right. Any more questions? I thought that was a pro tip that I thought I should give people. Um, I think that was like one of the more interesting things this week. It's been a lot of just like running, making sure tests work and things like that. Hi, Paul. Um, pro tip worthy price of admission. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> it was funny though. Uh, David asks, what is a Q string? So we covered this a bit, I think a couple weeks ago, but I'll give you the brief answer. So, um, strings are often used in, they're very often used in Python because even internally, when you have like a class, uh, a dictionary is used internally to map like a name of something on that class to the object that it points to. Um, and so Qstrings are a way of making sure that you only have one copy of a string, even if multiple things name things that. Does that make sense? So like if two classes have a, a foo, ugh, that's a bad example. Like, most of the time, classes will have dunder init, so underscore, underscore, init, underscore, underscore. And by having a Q-string mechanic, you can say, I only want one copy of that. And furthermore, Q-strings are only 16 bits and not 32 bits. So they are smaller to store, which is great. Um, so they deduplicate the strings we use, and they are cheaper to store ourselves. And then on top of that, um, we pre-compute uh, the length and the hash of Qstrings so that if we need to do comparisons or like dictionary lookups, we can generally get pretty far without ever having to look at the string yet. Um, so like you only look at the string if you're like, if the hash matches and the, if the hash matches and the length matches, then you have to check the string. But like, that's going to be pretty rare if you're like looking through a bunch of strings. Um, so yeah, a Qstring is an optimization to deduplicate strings that we use and then store them as 16 bits, not 32 bits. Um, Kitty says, it's really good to know though, especially for those I need an edge case optimization. I'm really curious to see if it helped with compression slash decompression for the error strings. I don't know. There is this whole pool of Qstrings as well. That, that we could compress. You're welcome, David. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of checked out. But I have some things that we could poke at. Um, one thing that's really kind of top of mind since I've been babysitting the CI is... Uh, one thing that MicroPython's done a good job of... Oh, and I, sh I guess I should say, MicroPython released 117. So let's take a look at that. I haven't actually looked um, in depth here. So 
uh, released two days ago, uh, MicroPython 117. We won't switch CircuitPython to 117 for 7.0, like, but probably for 7.1 we'll do it. Uh, we'll try to keep more up to date. Uh, so this adds F strings, which we already, ha already had, but we'll need to rectify how we, what we merged in versus not. Um, other improvements to the core runtime include pretty printing OS error when it has two arguments, an error code and a string, scheduling of keyboard interrupt on the main thread, and support for single argument to the optimized form of stop iteration. Um, I2S, which we don't have. JSON module has support for the separators, which we kind of don't use. A bit stream function is also added where you can output a stream of bits with configurable timing. Um, huh, interesting. That's used for NeoPixel. Like, we have NeoPixel write, which we inherited from them. Um, restructuring of the repository directory layout. This is going to be a challenge for us. Uh, but it's good. It's a good re reorder restructuring. We should do it too. Um, docs, we don't really care. Oh, this is cool. The terms master and slave have been replaced with controller and peripheral, mainly relating to I2C and SPI usage. Um, the U module references have been replaced with just the module name without the U prefix to help clear up the intended usage of modules in MicroPython. Hidden networks are now included in the WLAN scan. Initial support for the ESP32C3. Um, yeah, some other port specific stuff. STM Lego Hub stuff. And lots of people contributing. So thank you to everybody who contributed to MicroPython. And uh, I'll, I won't read through all these. Uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll up to the date to that pretty soon, but not immediately, because um, we're trying to get seven zero out the door. It's it's we'll do it for seven one or something. But yeah, I also was up late last. I didn't get to sleep that early last night, and I got up kind of early. I was googling around for this uh, this um, Wii balance board thing. So yeah, that's something I could do, is I could try to get the Wii Balance Board to talk to me. That is not that related, and I don't know if that'll be successful. Another thing that it's kind of on my radar is I really want to tweak slash redo... Um, tweak slash redo our GitHub Actions um, setup. So I when we were doing the merge for MicroPython, we noticed that the MicroPython redid their stuff, and it's like quite nice. So they have uh, individual actions for every port, and then they also say what paths have to be changed to, to run it. Um, so that is um, something I would like to do on CircuitPython, because we get some of these pull requests where it's like changes to a single board, and yet we build all 200 plus of them. And like, that's just outrageous. <laughs> Um, we shouldn't need to build a board that we, like, know will not be in to build a board that we know won't be impacted by it. Um, in the case of, like, translations, where, like, that tra the new translation will be on every board, then we kind of have to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think this is kind of the thing that I'd like to poke at. Um, 
During another of your deep dive missions, I saw that you had a had visual a lot more detailed info. Do you have a J-Link device or so? Yes, I have a J-Link base. So I use that with GDB to, to load code and do things like that. Um, so that, yeah, there's kind of like three options that we could poke at. We could try to poke at the, the we um, the balance board, but that's kind of tricky because it's pretty large. We could do this GitHub action stuff, which is probably the most interesting to me. Or the other thing that I've kind of been wanting to do is we could start looking at the Raspberry Pi stuff. Um, so, yeah. What do people think? Mark, I'm not sure what you're saying. Mark on YouTube. David says GitHub Actions and then Pi. GitHub Actions, I think, is one of those. Bruce says, is there any support for parallel connected display controllers? I don't see it, but I only started looking. Yes, it is. That's the thing that's moving from display I.O. to the parallel bus. Um, Foamy Guy says, I would vote for Actions. I'm not super familiar with it. Always interested in learning more. All right. <laughs> David's voting RPI. We'll get to the Raspberry Pi stuff. Actions is probably one of Actions is one of those things where it's like not very interesting work, but it's gonna be very, very nice if we have it, right? Like if we can make our CI run a lot faster for certain PRs, then that's a huge benefit. So the sooner you do that, the better. So we'll get to the Raspberry Pi stuff on, on a deep dive at some point, but I think it's it's wise to do some of this action stuff. Okay, so where do we start with this action stuff? So I had this docs pulled up. So there's kind of two levels that I was trying to figure out. There's workflow level, and then there's, um, hi Dave. There's workflow level, and then within workflows you have jobs, and then jobs have steps. Um, and so I think that I I was trying to figure out so so MicroPython MicroPython took the took the idea of doing it at the ports or at the workflow level. So at the workflow level, do this stuff um, based on based on what's edited. So so this is the on push or pull request, if any of these paths is modified, then then this workflow runs. And they've factored it out by having this um, ci.sh um, shell script thing that runs. Um, so that's kind of the, that's the approach that um, MicroPython has taken. And I'm, I'm not, so here they're doing, so this is what the build command is. So they're, they're building, um, all boards in a single job. It looks like, um, so here's a job, here's one job and here's the steps for it. So, so they're building it all in the same place. Whereas we've switched CircuitPython to be very parallel. Um, so we build, 
pull up CircuitPython's existing build. So in CircuitPython, if we just look, see, there's this green check mark here, and this will be on a bunch of commits. We could say it says 100 successful checks, but that's actually too low. Um, it caps out at 100 for some reason. But for us, it's more like two something. Um, so this is for a single workflow, the, our build CI workflow. Um, it was triggered by a push by Mark. Um, it was successful. It took an hour and 16 minutes, and it produced 242 artifacts. Now, that's those are actually zip files of artifacts, though, I think. And this is kind of how it's set up. So each of these boxes here is a job. So these are these jobs can run in parallel here. So there's two that you start with, and then oh, the way that we have it set up set up right now is that we run all of our tests first, and then only if those tests pass will we build all of the um, build all of the individual wards. And the the reason that we do that is just that like we don't want to have to build all the boards if we can do a smoke test up front and know that something's wrong. Um, so that's why we have this dependence. And this is one of the reasons, like, MicroPython does not do this as far as I know. And I don't know of a way to do it between workflows, right? Like, this sort of graph structure is a thing that is a function of... Uh, it's all within a single workflow. It's within the jobs in a single workflow. Um, and you can see here that there's this this matrix thing. So if we if we like click there, whoa, you can zoom out. So <laughs> I didn't know you could do. Um, you can see that this build extensa job is actually uses this matrix to build uh, every board in parallel. So you can see that they take about between 11 and 15 minutes a piece. So we're using like a lot a lot of cpu time we we i think it ends up being like 24 hours or so of cpu time uh but github actions lets us do 60 jobs in parallel which is why it only took us an hour and, and 16 minutes um so not only will this make our lives better with like improving our ci but it'll actually like make us better citizens if like a PR comes in like some of these ones that we've been like tweaking a single board. Like if that means that we only build like the tests and then the single board, like we're actually saving a lot of our time, but also like CPU time as well. Um, so the question is, how do we actually set it up so that that's, so that that's the case? So the way that MicroPython does it is MicroPython takes advantage of this paths argument to the on triggers. Unfortunately, I don't think that will work if we want to do this prerequisite job, this prerequisite test. Um, I don't think that workflows themselves can kind of like reference each other. Um, it's only within jobs that you can do that. Um, although maybe, maybe we can do that with triggers. Um, Bruce says, I, I have the same actions on my fork. Microsoft slash GitHub must love how I waste cycles building. Yeah. 
it's really nice that we're able to build everything, but it's like, especially if you look at what we spend some of our time doing, it's like we check, we do a git checkout on every job. Like it's not, it, it could be done better. And maybe, maybe what we should look at is like using a custom Docker image as well. That might, might help. But for now, my, my goal is with this to just ideally scope what we test closer to what we think will, closer to what actually is different uh, based on the files that have been edited. Um, so, see, they're talking a lot about example workflows. Oh, here we go. Understanding. So... This workflow syntax for GitHub Actions is going to be really useful, so I'll open that up. Um, name. So on, specify the event that automatic, automatically triggers the workflow file. So I wonder if actually what we could do is whether we could use triggers to actually do derivative, um, derivative stuff. Check bats version runs on Ubuntu steps uses. Okay. So visualing the workflow file. Uh, da, da, da. See, so, so much of this is actually like actions. It's like within a workflow. So let's look at workflow syntax. Kind of see what our options at the top level are. So this is, or maybe we want this events that trigger workflows. Okay, so th this reference is really handy for those getting into into GitHub Actions. This like is it's kind of exhaustive. This is kind of like the API reference for GitHub Actions. Art under the stars. That sounds awesome. Thanks for stopping by Hands Labs. Okay, so name on and then events that trigger workflows. Let's actually look at that cuz maybe that's what we can do is we can use one one uh, workflow to trigger another, and then we could still do it at the workflow level. Although, if that were the case, then we wouldn't be doing it based on like then 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 it wouldn't be a push directly. Um, using a single event, so you can filter it by branches. Um. Scheduled events, we don't want to do that. You can manually trigger workflow runs. Use the workflow dispatch event. More than one workflow in a repo and create custom events and event types. Use the repository dispatch event. Custom define input properties, default input values, and required inputs for the event directly in your workflow. When the workflow runs, you can access the input values in the 
github event.inputs context. You can manually trigger a workflow using GitHub API and from GitHub. Um, when you trigger the event on GitHub, you must send a post request. This example defines the name and home inputs, prints them, and it provides a default. On workflow dispatch, name, person, input. Uh, so I wonder if, well, what was the repository level dispatch? Repository dispatch. So I wonder if we can do conditional stuff on that. GitHub API to trigger a webhook event called repository dispatch. And for more information, do this. So we'll open that and look at that in a sec. Um, by default, all event types trigger a workflow to run. You can limit your workflow to run when a specific event type value is sent in the repository dispatch webhook payload. You define the event type sent in the repository, dispa di repository dispatch payload when you create the repository dispatch event. Huh. So that, that like, I'm trying to think of like, could we have one could we have one main workflow that runs all the tests and like makes MPY cross and then triggers like a workflow for every board potentially? Um, so like one central place would decide all the boards that we need to build and then it would trigger the workflows to build those things. Um, Webhook events. Let's see webhook events and payloads. Check run. Check suite. Create, delete, deployment, deployment status, discussion. It's pretty cool. You can do it basically on anything. Issue comment, issues, labels. Pull requests. On pull request types. Is that where they cover paths? Push registry package status watch. 
That is not right. That should be starred activity. <laughs> this event occurs when a workflow run is requested or completed. It allows you to execute a workflow based on the finished result of another workflow. Workflow run is triggered regardless of the result. If your pull request workflow generates build artifacts, you can create a new workflow that uses workflow run to analyze the results and add a comment to the original pull request. Um, we use this, I use this briefly. Activity types. You can filter based on branches. To run a workflow job conditionally based on the results of the previous workflow run, you can use the job if or steps if conditional combined with the conclusion of the previous run. So that's only like success or failure, which is like not, not that useful for us. Um, I mean, we could use this if thing, potentially. So what is a repository dispatch event? So here we are in the REST API. So this is kind of annoying. This is annoying because if it's a repository dispatch event, uh and we have to have all of the types up front or something like that makes it really hard to add new boards. So we want to make sure that whatever we do is makes it easy to add new boards. Uh, so I don't think that's what we want. I think I, I suspect we're going to want it all within a particular workflow. The challenge then is to figure out how um, what files have been edited. Webhook events and payloads. Organization installation, blah, blah, blah. I don't think any of this is really what we want. Like we're, we're, we're triggering it when we want. We just need to be able to narrow it down. So I did see, let's take a look at this jobs if. You can use the if conditional to prevent a job from running unless a condition is met. You can use any supported context and expression to create a conditional. For more information, look at context and expression syntax for GitHub Actions. Okay. So that sounds more like what we want of just saying like, here's our big long matrix that we already have, but then the job doesn't want to run because of this or that. Um, whether a step should run. If the, and if conditional is true, the step will run. So it's also for jobs. 
if expression contexts information about the currently executing job see the job context runner secrets strategy matrix if you configure a matrix build with OS and node versions, the matrix context includes the OS and the node versions of the current job. So, so this is probably what we want. So this is the way that we get kind of the left-hand side. This is the way that we get access to um, like which board we're trying to do is matrix. Environment variable. Needs. Needs is kind of interesting. That might be something that we could use to do it. Determining when to use contexts. See, like, if GitHub ref is that, then do that. Hey, Johnny. No worries that you're late. Uh, we're taking a look at GitHub Actions, and if folks have basic questions about GitHub Actions, please please let me know. Um, I might Brent was going to do some action stuff too, so I I might link him to this later. So, um, so right now when CircuitPython does its CI build, it does this like prerequisite step of like running all the tests, and then if that passes, it builds every single board. And what I want to do is get us to the point where if the PR, if the change only changes, like if, if the change only changes like files in one board's directory, then we should only build that single board. We shouldn't build all of them. Um, and an intermediate thing would be to just limit it based on like the, the port that does it. Um, so yeah. Oh, and here's all the, I, I, clicked these context things but it looks like I'm oh no these are references so job says service containers I was wondering if a service container could be useful for um, Ccache actually clearly stating the requirements yay um current status of the job. This is the same file. Okay, let's close that. Okay, so let's just see what we've got at our disposal. We have GitHub action, action path. Actor base ref event so one of the challenges is figuring out what files changed <laughs> question one sure actions can actually do that 
Well, so we have Git, right? Like, we have access to Git. So the first step, well, one of the steps for us is going to be figuring out how to enumerate all the files that changed. Um, environment, job, steps, runner, tool cache. needs the value of a specific output for a job that the current job depends on so this could be really interesting if we say I need like this job depends on this prerequisite job saying an output of this is true right so like if for every board we say yes or no in a central job. So I wonder how we do job outputs. Because then we could just say, so the answer is maybe. Yes, the answer is maybe. Um, the result of a job that the current job depends on. So we know this will be true. Um, so how do we do job outputs? literals environment operators functions contains so we could say if the output from the previous one contains our board name Hi, Dinkelberg. Hash files. Have. Job status checks. <laughs> this is an interesting deep dive. It's, it's me reading the docs. <laughs> Go figure. Um, okay. Object filters. Fruits dot star name equals that. I picked a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. Bare metal circuit python on Raspberry Pi would have been easier. I doubt that. I doubt that. Context availability. Needs is available. So we want to know what's available for if. Outputs. How do we set an output? GitHub actions set output. Ah. 
Workflow commands when running shell commands in the workflow or in actions code. Actions can communicate with the runner machine to set environment variables, output values used by other actions, add debug messages to the output logs and other tasks. Finding the right documentation is key. Yeah, totally. Actions Toolkit includes a number of functions that can be executed as workflow commands using the double colon stuff. So here we can say set output name equals selected color colon colon green. And then we can say the output of selected color is green. So, okay. Core add path. Get input. Set output. You can also declare output parameters in an actions metadata file. Oh, and it optional output parameters allow you to declare data that an action sets. Actions that run later in a workflow can use the output data set in previously run actions. If you don't declare an output in your action metadata file, you can still set outputs and then and use them in a workflow. Workflow commands for GitHub Actions. Outputs for composite actions. Huh. Oh, interesting. So this is like value is steps dot blah 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 dot outputs dot random ID. Composite action. Huh. Inputs. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's kind of what we want but at the same time it may not be if like I don't really care if we start the job and immediately decide that it doesn't need to be done um So, let's, I found this other thing, GitHub Actions, Path Filter Job. 
Um, there's this. Conditionally run actions based on files modified by the PR feature branch or push commits. Um, here's a GitHub community thing, too. Path filtering at job and step level. Let's see what people say. People say... Has changed path. Solve this with pass filter. Okay, that's the one we have open. <laughs> Looks like there is no more official way. A deep dive into pull request. <laughs> okay, so let's see what this other option is. It has 139 stars. This has 305 stars. Outputs whether a path or a combination path has changed in the previous commit. That's not what we want. We want potentially more than one commit. Deep dive into nap time next. Does GitHub optimize all the parallel checkouts or does each job need to detect if it needs to be done? Uh, well, I think that's kind of what we could do is like if we have a central job that sets outputs for all of them, I think then we could say, or no, where was that thing that said it needs Needs depends on context availability. Oh, interesting. Strategy has access to the needs context. Hmm, very interesting. I think that means that maybe we can create the matrix based on the needs context where is the workflow syntax okay so if we look at job strategy matrix Define a matrix of different job combinations. As the value of the runs on keyword. Right. Running multiple versions. 
But I wonder if we can... It would be nice. Here's another thing that would be nice. Is if we have that big long list of um, boards right now in the GitHub Actions. It would be nice if we could actually um, not need to update that. Like, if at the tail, if at the tail end of that test job that we do, we determine all the boards that need to run, and then we suck that into the matrix, suck it into the matrix. That sounds funny. Allow memory of the checkouts. I mean, I'm okay writing a Python script that just says, like, here's all the ones I want to run. All the boards to build. So I wonder if I can do that. See, see how runs on here is referencing this context? I wonder if we could say, for the build job, we could say strategy, matrix, board, but then put this, like, dollar, print, dollar curly curly needs previous job dot outputs dot board at mel or like arm boards right i bet we could do that yes i bet we could oh yeah johnny that one way to find more bytes is to sort your sort your sections in your linker scripts Oh, interesting. You can exclude individual things. Using environment environmental variables. Include. Ah, there. Strategy, fail fast, max parallel. I wonder if we could do that. How does an action know the previous outputs? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think... I think because we have it set up, let's pull it up. So let's close this, let's close this. Like, I'm okay if we could centralize it, that would be plenty good. So if we do GitHub workflows, build. So we have this first job that is our test job. So this is what runs first. And then we have NPY cross that runs at the same time, but this is on Mac, so that's how we build MPY cross for Mac. Um, that's okay, but then we have this giant build arm one that has this giant uh, board matrix. Now I'm wondering if we could just replace this board matrix with a needs output from test. So see, there's this already there's already this needs thing here. Um, I wonder if we could do that. 
We use dependencies on the outputs to decide if we needed to rebuild something. What is the equivalent of GitHub Actions model? Uh, it's like, you can say like, if for a job, you can say if this is true, but then there's also this matrix thing. So I'm wondering if we could pipe, let's see. All right, let's, let's start experimenting, shall we? So let's do git status, where are we? We can delete the release notes. Let's do a new branch. Kit switch CI opt Adafruit main. Okay. Let's update. Okay, so let's play around with this. So let's just say take these three and I'm going to put them. In, this is the bottom of test. Here's the bottom of test. So let's just put that there for now. And then let's delete all this. and say this is going to be uh, needs dot test dot outputs dot uh, arm boards right and then risk 5 only has one board so let's just leave that there but then here, let's just crib this down to here as well. So that should be enough. Oh, but let's do this. So let's see if we can't. Name, set boards to build. So let's see. GitHub Actions Toolkit. How do we set an output? See, so needs job ID outputs dot output name. Although it says type is string. So we may not be able to say to make it a list, unfortunately. GitHub job output. That would be so such a bummer. Oh, but you know what I think? Where is the functions? It's a string. Oh, here's set output. Name value. But if we look at, there's this to JSON from JSON. Oh, look at this. 
That's exactly what we want. It's a set output matrix to this JSON and then from JSON to the matrix. That's exactly what we want. We want... Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want. Okay, so we want to say um, Jason was in the matrix. Yes. From Jason. We'll just do it as a list. Needs test outputs arm boards. Did I capitalize it right? I did. And then what we're going to say is outputs. So for test outputs steps set matrix we'll call it set matrix um, but maybe like build arm good night Dave thanks for hanging out arm boards is what I called it arm boards okay so now we're going to call this last step um, ID equals set matrix, what we call that, right? And then we're going to run, let's go back to our example. This, but not this. We'll edit it. So we're going to run set output name equals arm boards. And it's going to be, so it doesn't look like we actually have to encode it. It's doing the encoding for us, but it does look like we have, um, have to escape the quotes. So it must auto convert it to, or it, or it knows it's a string. So we're gonna do Arduino nano 33 BLE. So this is just for our test. If this works, we should be able to have some Python generate this list instead. And in fact, we already have, um, we already have that Python that can figure out a list of all the boards. So we can repurpose that. And in fact, we're just doing echo here. So we could actually output this bit. Um, cancel. All right, let's just do these two. Cause I don't want to have to write any, any others. So let's delete this stuff because that's going to break it. All right, so here we are printing this output for set matrix. 
we're calling it arm boards and then arm boards goes into here output matrix let's call it arm boards as well so I think this is connecting like a step output to a job output um, and then the job output gets input into here we decode it from JSON and put it in there so let's save that so the thing with github actions is is you kind of have to commit to you have to just test it so first try and this is going to take a little time because that first step takes a little time unfortunately luckily i've got all you folks to just uh Sorry, snagging my GPG password. Um, let me actually remember to copy something else into my paste buffer. Um, so now we'll git push tin new CI opt. And we'll take a look at what it does. I'm very excited about this. We could use this. Um, We could use this uh, GitHub Actions to figure out all the modified files, or we could just do it ourselves in a Python file, um, which I kind of like. I kind of like doing it ourselves. But there are some things to be aware of. Like if if you're on a PR and there and there's extra stuff on the main branch, there will be a merge commit and. We don't want to do it based on that merge commit. We only want to do it, I think, based on the files that are changed by the other stuff. Um, yesterday, I wrote three lines of Python resulting in 6,238 icons in JPEG format for the free, free touch deck. Standing on the shoulder of giants. That's the brilliance of Python. Is there no fish console for Windows? I did a lot of cool I did a lot of console stuff. I found this really awesome. The problem is is that I'm So, there's this thing called McFly that allows you to do like different history searches, which is very very cool. Um And so I I set that up um I also set up, um, I tried a different, there's a different command prompt thing called, um, what's it called? Starship? Um, but, Starship, <laughs> thanks Bruce. I tried it, and I, have, I don't actually like it as much as this one, because this one has this cool thing where it changes color based on your git state, and Starship actually doesn't do that. It'll change icons, but it doesn't really... Um... It, it doesn't do the... It, it changes icons, but not style based on, on state, which I was kind of disappointed about. Um... But there's some modern 
modern Rust CI things that looked pretty cool. Like FD is a short uh, modern find. And then um, I can't remember all of these. There's like RG for rip grep, which is like AG that I use. Um, there's also, there was an LS replacement that I, the problem is like, I can't remember them all. There's a replacement for cat called bat, which does syntax highlighting and line numbers, which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, there's, there's some really cool command line. To, the Rust community is awesome. Like I need to do Rust at some point. I need to take a look at it. It's pretty neat. Um, what is the, what is the LS one? I think it's fish does this really nice autocomplete that you see here. Um, Exa, thank you, Nate. That's what I'm thinking of. Like, it's very cool. Exa, 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 Exa. This is like the second time today I've tried to, to remember what it was. I really like fish. I recommend fish if you can do it. Um, but yeah, so there's some really cool tools. You know, I was complaining about the history thing earlier, and that's why I, I realized what I want is when I'm doing air up arrow, I want it in the current, I want it in the current shell, unless I just opened it. Uh, yeah, David, Exa. The Exa website, that's clever. Um, but if I'm doing like a search, like a prefix search, then I wanted to cover everything. It's kind of what I decided. All right, let's see if this GitHub Actions is running. And it failed. So what did it say? Oh, the new boards check failed. <laughs> I should turn that off. Um, because I deleted the list that it checks. New boards check. So that new boards check is probably almost what we want to repurpose to create the list of boards. So I'm actually going to move it down here. There's a chips shortage to go with your fish and chips. Okay, so let's disable that check. Turn off boards check. Can't think of what I'm doing. Again. Oh. 
We'll look at that in a second. Did I close it? I think I hit home. I think we're on to something. <laughs> Bruce is getting hungry with the chip talk. Oh, they do have Windows support. Awesome. I really like... Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. With Fish Show. So here's where we're checking everything out. This step takes a while. Takes a while. But we'll keep an eye on this. <laughs> this is this is what happens when we're uh, doing GitHub Actions testing. Gotta end up waiting for it. Okay, while we're waiting, let's take a look at what this does. Conditionally run actions based on files modified by the PR, feature branch, or pushed commits. Path filters don't allow this because they don't work on a level of individual jobs or steps. It's used by Google Chrome slash web.dev, which is pretty awesome. So this might be really handy to just, it probably gives us just a, uh, a list. Ways to reuse the previous checkouts. Yeah, like, there is some caching stuff, but even downloading the cache can take time. I'm sure there's more optimization we could do there. So... Example. Uses path filters with filters, blah, blah, blah. If steps output source equals true, um, see the example section. By using the Pico Match library, quote your path expressions with quote or double quote. Local execution with act works only with the alternative runner image. What is act? Run your GitHub actions locally. That's cool. <laughs> List files CSV format. Configure a matrix job to run for each folder with changes using changes output. Interesting. Usage filters. Like we could have Base ref.
Enables listing of files matching the filter. File paths are formatted as a JSON array. I almost want to like just use the part that it gets it. Changes is a JSON array with names of all filters matching any of the changed files. So the problem with this is that, um, oh, there we go. There's the examples. All right, we're building the docs. If we, like this filters setup for this uh, action thing is done up front, whereas like we know the structure of CircuitPython we know where all the boards are, so we really shouldn't hard, like we would have to hard code all the boards at this uh, in this case. So passing a list of modified files is JSON array. <laughs> Well, there we go. This this would at least get us all of the changed files. So so this is what we could do is we could say, all right, well, like we're going to just get all of the files and then we're going to pass it to a Python script that actually so we don't have to figure out what all the changed files are. Um, command line args. Or a JSON array. I wonder how this works. Um, oh man, it's like all this TypeScript stuff. Yeah, so this is what I think we should do. Let's use this as our file listing input into a Python script that we write and just make decisions on. Does that make sense? Oh man, we're almost out of time. We have 10 more minutes. I'm going to, I want to do this today though. This is, I'm, I'm stuck in, which is good. Okay. So here's the thing that says, get us all of the file pass and we then pass it to some other action. We should be able to, it's just going to be a string. We could throw it in an environment variable. Um, I'm trying to remember how I built QMK. Does QMK do this? Or are you talking about something else? We still have to see if this worked. <laughs> For some reason, the other build went really fast. Oh, it went really fast because it failed earlier. That's why. Maybe that's another thing we should do. If this test step is pretty slow. But like the checkout took a minute and a half. The dependencies took two minutes. Building the docs took a minute and a half. Now we're building the LaTeX PDF version, which is a minute and a half. Um, which is fine. I, like we're not optimizing for overall overall speed 
and the this test step can run concurrently if we have multiple PRs or commits coming in. Um, so this is this is I think what we want. Like let's worry, let's let this thing worry about what the change stuff is, and then we can pipe that into a. We can pipe that into our uh, our own Python script. And it as a JSON array. Yeah, let's do that. So we'll use this thing to figure out, like, given our context, what what changed. So, and I think I will repurpose this new boards check. So we'll no longer need to do that, which would be very nice. Um, ID filter. Filter name files output. Paths will be changed. OK, so now what we're going to do is we're going to do a multiple step run I don't think we actually need the echo anymore I think what we want is a echo can we put I think we might you know I think we might need to throw it in the environment but that could be a lot of files I wonder how big an environment variable can be um, how do we pass in something ginormous, potentially? I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Ah, you're still talking about fish. Like, command line and args... What if it's like super large? Oh, you know what we could do? If we did this earlier, we could use this to not build the docs. <laughs> that could be nice, actually. Like, we could actually speed this step up if we knew that, like, nothing changed all right i that's i'm getting ahead of myself that's not what we're trying to do today um file was added modified or removed oh interesting so you can put like prerequisites there um filter rules in your own file But again, that's not like I want them separate. All right, how's this going? Ooh, we're almost there. Ooh, and it worked. So we've got the two Arduino Nano builds, the FOMU and the one Extensa. Um, super large things are not appropriate for environment environment variables right 
That's my assumption. Like, I mean, worst case, we, like, imagine we're doing, like, a MicroPython merge and we're, like, changing a ton of files. Um, like, I wonder how we get that kind of out and output back into us, back into it. Like, can we write an output to a file? All right, where's our workflow syntax? So we're talking about what we can do with, oh, here we go, with. See, that puts them into environment variables. With args, passes it to the containers entry point startup. Not what we want. with entry point. Environment. I mean, maybe we just try it. <laughs> I don't see that, like, this can't write it to a file, unfortunately. I don't think we saw that. <laughs> we should fetch that. I mean, I don't think we have a choice. I don't see any other options and like... Uses. Uses is like using a separate action. GitHub actions environment variable size limit. I mean, there's 64K in size here. Let's just, we'll just do it that way for now, and if it breaks, it breaks. Will it be large enough that we need a database or a file to store the list of changes? You know what I think we could do? Either it will fail and we'll have to fix it, or it'll be a partial and it won't it won't be parsable as JSON. And so if it's not parsable as JSON, we could fall back to just generating all of them. Right? So like if there's so many things that change that we ran out of room, we just run it all. Like we're just optimizing for the case where it's only a few files probably. Um, so, yeah, we don't need to be perfect about it. And that's one of my strengths, I think, is not being perfect about things. Um, 
Okay, so what we're gonna do here is then this is gonna be with uh, an environment variable we're gonna call changed files, changed files. And that's gonna be steps dot filter dot outputs dot changes changed yeah I think we're on the right track so let's do let's go back to here and changes output and then this filter name see there's this here the example we copied has it too one thing that's interesting is that it calls it changed files filter name files steps filter outputs changed files cool okay so now I think what we want to do is actually do this but let's do um, let's copy this elsewhere So we're going to rename new boards check to changed board list. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Tools CI new boards check. Rename. Changed board list. Changed board list. And then we're gonna print this. So this is what we wanna print out of here, is these set output things. Because um, that's all GitHub is doing, I think, is it's just seeing it come back um, so let's see here so what are we doing we need OS uh, we don't need this anymore we don't need to know the workflow file we don't need to do the YAML. We don't need to read this board matrix. And we don't need to sort them. And we don't need to see what's missing. Because we're just going based on this list now. Um, if missing boards.
Oh yeah, I'm over time. And it is kind of hot in here, but I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll, folks. Uh, okay, so we're going to have a changed files. Changed files is equal to json.loads of os.environ. Changed files. Um, any recommendations for new CircuitPython users? Uh, what do you want to do with CircuitPython? The learn guides are really good, both the Welcome to CircuitPython and the CircuitPython Essentials. Um, definitely recommend starting there. Uh, but then if you have a particular project in mind, um, find a project on Learn. Cheers, Minnesota. Mentat. Thanks for hanging out. Um... files so let's dump that out and then I think what we might want to do is slurp these back in as uh, we can basically undo it and write some rules like if Let's see, how do we want to do it? Do we want to do it exclude, exclude, exclusively or inclusively? So I guess what we could say is for every path, if the path matches like ports, port name, boards, board ID, then we include that board. If it's just in ports port, then we include everything from that port. If it's outside of that, we include everything. I think that's pretty much it, right? If it's in port only, then we include everything in the port. If it's in board only, we only include that board. <laughs> Does fish support the fish operator? That's like the default prompt is like a fish. All right, I think I'll call it. I'm going to keep working on this, but I'm kind of hot and need a snack. So uh, keep an eye out. If you want to follow along, uh, that's the branch that I'll be poking at. So if you if you want to check that out, go ahead and do that. Um, doctor needs to go for their walk. The audio pseudocode sounds like a good plan. Okay, yeah, the, the inclusive, like for every path that changed. If it's in this bucket, include this group. If it's in that bucket, include that group. Um, cool, so then what, what the script will end up doing is it will end up printing out these set outputs. Uh, we'll do ARM boards, RISC-V boards, and extensive boards. Um, and we'll just output these big long lists and then those should get slurped into the matrix and so we'll only trigger matrix builds for the boards that changed. Um, which should be pretty neat. I hope we can, I mean, yeah, we should be able to give entry ma empty matrices, but, um, if not, we can always do one for every sub job or whatever. That would be fine. Um, all right. So let me switch to the camera.
Uh, everybody have a great weekend here in the U.S. It is a long weekend, so um, if you're in the U.S. and are able to take Monday off, please do. Um, I'm going to take Monday off, uh, so the CircuitPython weekly meeting that happens on Mondays normally will be next week on Tuesday at the same time at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, the shipper says, what about commits that add a board? If a commit adds a board, it should build that board. It shouldn't need to build any other boards. So this get board mapping should hopefully work on the current, the absolute newest thing, and then we'll see that those files were added too. Because change is including additional new files, I think. We'll double check it. I'm excited about this. I'm ready to, I'm going to keep working on it for sure. Because it would like really make our, our builds a lot better. Um... So I'm excited about this. Um, if you want to support me, uh, well, if you want to chat with me and a bunch of others outside of this stream, feel free to join the Discord server by going to the URL adafru.it slash Discord. We're there all week and weekend. Um, if folks want to follow along kind of on Discord, we can keep chatting about it. Um, but I think we have a plan. It's just making that plan happen now. Um, and if you want to support me, you can go to Adafruit.com and uh, purchase stuff there. Uh, they pay me to stream. They pay me to work on CircuitPython. So uh, supporting them supports me. Uh, there's lots of cool stuff. Um, check out the re release candidate as well, like Keith is talking about. Um, please test it. We're, the BLE stuff will continue, we'll continue to push it forwards. Um, so give that a try, although um, there's more work to do there. And uh, next week is on Friday, as normal. And I think that's all of it. Um, rain here for a long weekend, but not a monsoon. Yeah, we're going swimming in the pool with my two-year-old niece, soon-to-be two niece. So hopefully it's not too bad tomorrow. Although the pool will be uh, emptier, I'm sure, if it's raining. Um, Anyway, uh, thank you all. We'll see you on Discord, and I'll, I'll pet the cat to, to wrap us up here, since he's, since he's up here. I'm going to take a break and eat something before I keep poking at this, too. Anyway, thank you all. Uh, we'll see you next week and on the Discords. All right, Spook. Time to pet ya. <laughs> I kept shocking him. All right, have a great weekend, everybody.